Welcome to Vision of Zion. I'm Craig Perry. I'm with my guest, Sean White. How are you doing, Sean? Good. I'm so grateful to be here on this beautiful morning. Well, let's continue our discussion about the book of Isaiah, and we've now reached chapter 19. What's this chapter about, Sean? This chapter is focused on the people of America, and it's focused on a three-year period of time before the servants of Dandy is made known to the people. I'm organizing these verses into a paragraph structure that is in the Dead Sea Scrolls so we can get as much meaning as we can from each chapter so that we're not breaking up the heart of what is trying to be said. Well, I would again encourage people to go look at the book of Isaiah translation by Abraham Gilyadi and the interpretive keys that he provides in his introduction. Which is actually a good part of the book. He does a very, very good job. And uh, with us going back to the Dead Sea Scrolls to understand this, um, you know, it might be helpful to download our notes before going through the podcast and making notes on a piece of paper as you go through our podcast. It's a great idea. Okay, let's start with verses one through four from the Dead Sea Scrolls. The burden of Egypt, behold, Yahweh rides on a swift cloud and comes to Egypt. The idols of Egypt will tremble at his presence, and the heart of Egypt will melt within it. I will stir up the Egyptians against the Egyptians, and they will fight everyone against his brother, and everyone against his neighbor, and city against city, and kingdom against kingdom. The spirit of Egypt will fail within it. I will destroy its council. They will seek the idols, the charmers, those who have familiar spirits, and the wizards. I will give over the Egyptians into the hand of a cruel lord. A fierce king will rule over them, says the Lord, Yahweh of armies. This section is devoted to Egypt. Anciently, it was the predominant civilization for over three centuries until it was conquered by the Macedonians in Isaiah, Egypt is symbolic of America. The people do not see God coming. They are so enthralled in their lives that they do not see it is truly the time of separation of the wicked from the righteous. All of those who have put their money and possessions ahead of their covenants with God are shaken. The God's spirit ceases to be with them because they have broken their covenants, and thus God removes his protection. They feel the buffeting of the adversary more than ever in their lives as the people of America suffer poor health and financial losses. They rise up against one another. This is shown as in the verse, Egyptians against Egyptians, they will fight everyone against his brother and everyone against his neighbor and city against city and kingdom against kingdom. This goes back in a way to other prophecies of this time. Here's a letter in the LDS Church Archives from Noah Packard to Milton A. Mooser, dated July 24th, 1896. My brother Noah Packard says that the he heard the prophet Joseph Smith say that the next great U.S. Civil War after the War of the Rebellion, the Civil War of the 1860s between the North and the South, 
would commence in a little town called Chicago, but at that time it would have grown to be a very large city. And another brother told me the prophet said that the cause of the next great trouble of the United States would be the depreciation of the currency of the United States. Very interesting. In verse 3, the spirit of Egypt will fall within it. I will destroy its counsel. This refers to our spiritual and physical leadership that guides our lives. The people lose their connection with God and become reliant upon the people around them for advice. This reference is the arm of flesh, a gross darkness that covers the whole earth as referenced in Isaiah 60 and D&C 112.23. In D&C 112.23, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, darkness covereth the earth, a gross darkness, the minds of the people, and all flesh has become corrupt before me. We might ask our, why is it dark? It's dark because the people are no longer praying, and many of the prayers are without true intent. So there is very little light coming up from the prayers. <clears throat> The government is in shambles, as men have sought riches over the good of the people. Heber C. Kimball said, This government would dissolve pretty much all the laws passed by our legislature, and that the time would come when the government would stop the saints from holding meetings. When this was done, the Lord would pour out his judgments. We have seen this start to happen. In the conference report of 1923, Charles W. Nibley is quoted as saying, Brethren and sisters, let me say in closing that we will have it off record that the prophet Joseph Smith said that the time would come through secret organizations making the, taking the law into their own hands, not being governed by law or due process of law, but becoming law unto themselves when by those disintegrating activities, the Constitution of the United States would be so torn and rent asunder, and life and property and peace and security would be held of so little value that the Constitution would, as it were, hang by a thread. I have also seen the Civil War occurring in my walk with the Savior. It was most intense in Democrat-run cities. This will push many people to seek safer places to live. This invigorates the gathering of those that believe in Christ to group together. Later in verse 3, Isaiah says, They will seek idols, the charmers, those who have familiar spirits, and the wizards. At this time, many who have not developed a good relationship with God will resort to paying individuals whom they believe are close to God to give them answers versus seeking their own from God. He wants everyone to have a personal relationship with him and not have to rely on the arm of flesh, meaning man. In verse 4, Isaiah writes, I will give over the Egyptians to the land of a cruel lord, a fierce king will rule over them, saith the Lord, Yahweh of armies. This is the king of Assyria and the alliance that he has formed. The whole scene to me ties in with peace being taken from the earth, which is referenced in Revelation 6 of the Joseph Smith version. 
And it says, And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. In verse 4, And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Is that all, Sean? <laughs> That's a lot of <laughs> description <all. laughs> for one paragraph. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'll make some comments now instead of at the end. Uh, I'm just going to say this as, uh, just bluntly. We see civil war coming to Egypt. Uh, brother against brother, neighbor against neighbor, city against city, kingdom against kingdom. Um, are we being set up for that right now? Do we see tensions evolving in our own societies here where we, this is happening? This could lead to this? We surely do. There's you know, different people on the internet talking about a need for uprising, not only on the one side, but on the other side also. And so both sides are kind of preparing in their mind they're talking about, which is the first stages of rising up to establish their rule of law, how they believe the country should be run. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's amazing how hap how fast it is happening. Uh, the next part of this, of this verses where uh, the spirit of Egypt will fill within it. This to me is clearly a sign of the, the spirit of the Lord withdrawing from the nation so there is no more divine guidance yes i will i will destroy his council so let's take the uh king prophet model in ancient israel uh the model got broken first when saul was made king and he would go to samuel and find out what the parameters were for warfare he didn't follow the orders that the lord gave him through the prophet and that's when we read in First Samuel, the Lord, or 1522, the Lord cares about obedience rather than the uh, animals he saved for sacrifice. Hath the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams, because he wasn't supposed to bring the spoil, the sheep, the oxen of the people that they had um, destroyed. They were supposed to utterly destroy everything in that particular situation and Saul didn't do it. So he lost the Lord's um, blessing as the King. So what did he do later? Well, exactly what we're reading here in Isaiah. Let's go read it here in first Samuel 28, seven. This is after the Lord had pulled away from him. Then Saul said unto his servants, seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said unto him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. So he listens to her. Yeah, she foretells his death, which is uh, rather <laughs> telling. But anyway, um, this is what we see here. The, when, the, when the spirit goes away, when the counsel is not reliable, uh, whether that's internal counsel, I'm thinking about our trusted institutions in our country who we've gone to for advice and counsel, as well as prophetic counsel, the scriptures. When that fails, what do they do? They go to idols. Idols are dumb. They don't speak. Charmers, uh, people who tell you what you want to hear. Um, familiar spirits and wizards tapped into the wrong side. Okay, the adversary side. 
and this is what Saul did. Uh, and these are these are horrible things, and ultimately they lead to misdirection and being conquerable, and here conquered at the end of it. It's all there, Sean. Yeah, and we see it unfolding right now. It's so stunning to see it happening right before our eyes. We see the depreciation of our currency, which is setting us up for turning to familiar spirits and the wizards and things, because when this happens, we'll be shaken to our core and go, oh my gosh, what just happened? Where where do we go? We don't have this relationship with Heavenly Father that we should have. Where do we go? We're going to quickly learn what a mistake that is. Let's go to verse 5. Actually, verses 5 through 10. The waters will fail from the sea, and the river will be wasted and become dry. The rivers will become foul. The streams of Egypt will be diminished and dried up. The reeds and flags will wither away. The meadows by the Nile, by the brink of the Nile, and all the sown fields of the Nile will become dry, be driven away, and be no more. The fishermen will lament, and those who fish in the Nile will mourn. And those who spread nets on the waters will languish. Moreover, those who work in combed flax and those who weave white cloth will be confounded. The pillars will be broken in pieces. All those who work for hire will be grieved in soul. The lakes and the rivers dry up. In my walk with the Savior, I saw that areas set aside for the gathering of those that could hear his voice were blessed with moisture at a certain time, whereas the other areas suffered drought. The fishermen and farmers who once thrived with success now suffer. The pillars refers to the thriving, well-established businesses that are broken into pieces, and all those that work for hire, meaning employees, will be grieved. Well, not much need for interpretation there. It's pretty self-explanatory. Thank you for that explanation. Let's go to verses 11 through... 18. The princes of Zoan are utterly foolish. The counsel of the wisest counselors of Pharaoh will become stupid. Boy, are we seeing stupidity at the highest <laughs> levels? I mean, a common sense approach to these things, it's just, it's becoming very obvious to people generally. Yeah. Um, how do you say to Pharaoh, I am the son of the wise, the son of ancient kings. Where then are your wise men? Let them tell you now and let them know that Yahweh of armies has purposed concerning Egypt. The princes of Zoan have become fools. The princes of Memphis are deceived. They have caused Egypt to go astray, who are the cornerstone of her tribes. Yahweh has mixed the spirit of pervasiveness, excuse me, perverseness, in the middle of her, and they have caused Egypt to go astray in all of its works. Yeah, when you when you work off of bad advice and bad, you know, counsel, and things can go off the rails very quickly. Like a drunken man staggers in his vomit. Well, there you go. <laughs> neither neither shall there be any work for Egypt, which head or tail, palm, branch or rush may do. In that day, the Egyptians will be like women. They will tremble and fear because of the shaking of Yahweh of Army's hand, which he shakes over them. The land of Judah will become a terror to Egypt. 
everyone to whom mention is made of it will be afraid, because of the plans of Yahweh of armies, which he determines against it. In that day there will be five cities in the land of Egypt that will speak the language of Canaan and swear to Yahweh of armies. One will be called the city of destruction. Okay, walk us through that, Sean. The wisest counselors were from Zoan. They were guided in the Pharaoh's they guided the Pharaoh's decisions. Today, many employees from BlackRock have been strategically placed as unelected officials guiding public policy in America. The advice and policy developed by the advisors today in America is bringing the people to more poverty and debt. They have assumed that the way to total power over the people is through lies. The princes of Memphis are deceived. Memphis in Egypt was a city where the royal princes were educated. Today we could refer to this as the educators of Princeton, Yale, Stanford, leading our young leaders astray. They were to be the cornerstones of our society, but they have led America astray from the true principles that America was founded on. Through perversion of morality, rather than the breakdown of morality of these educators, they are like drunken men staggering in their vomit. Neither shall there be any work in Egypt which the head or the tail, the palm branch or the rush may do. All the work once had within our country has been sent out to other countries to do. At a point, there will not be any work for Egypt, which the head, the tail, the palm branch, or the rush may do. Even the leaders, the presidents of companies, will at one point have no work left that they can do, in addition to the employees that we talked about earlier. When the people of America lose their jobs, they will tremble and fear because of the shaking of our Yahweh of Army's hand, which he shakes over them. It is at this time the people of America recognize that God has allowed Yahweh of Army's power to humble the people, to bring them back to a one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. In that day, there will be five cities in the land of Egypt that speak the language of Canaan and swear to the Yahweh of armies, one will be called the city of destruction. The Canaanites anciently spoke Hebrew, Moabite, Phoenician, and Punic. The ancient Egyptians spoke Egyptian, which is a dead language today like Latin. Here we can see that there are people within Egypt that do not speak the native language of Egypt. It's interesting that in 1780, it was proposed that Hebrew be the national language of America. The people wanted to separate themselves as far as they could from England, and they believed that Hebrew was the closest language to God and the angels. Here in America, we have many cities that don't speak English. For example, many Amish and Mennonites do not speak English in their cities. They speak Dutch. There are many Jewish cities that speak Hebrew within their cities. This should be a sign for us to know where we are at in the timeline of God's tribulation. To me, I see a non-English-speaking city in America swearing an oath to keep God's commandments and in return asking that God will protect them and guide them. As for one of the cities being called the City of Destruction, could this be Chicago? 
I mean, we see terrible destruction and things within Chicago, but we're also seeing this in San Francisco, in parts of New York, and other places where his businesses are all moving out and um, things are falling apart. How many how many people are shot every weekend or on a three day weekend in Chicago? It's extremely high, and that captures a lot of innocent people too. You you have to wonder. Uh, Chicago has been the focus of some very significant riots. It's been talked about by the Prophet Joseph Smith. We'll have to kind of keep our eye on that and see what how that uh, how that unfolds. Uh, another, mentioned... another city that we're not talking about is Albuquerque, New Mexico, which has had the second highest murder rate next to Chicago, but not many people are speaking about that. What's going on down there? I haven't heard that. Um, there's just a lot of uprising that people have to live in locked gated communities, pay HOA fees for guards and block fences. The stealing of items and stuff is really high. But in my digging into it, I was shocked and surprised at Albuquerque, New Mexico and the problems they are having there. Wow. So well, you mentioned some universities that are uh, leading our young leaders astray. I just want to point out one interesting thing I was told by a friend. I just looked it up here while we were talking. The original logo and slogan for Harvard University, beginning in 1692, was a shield, of course, a red shield, and the words Veritas Christo e Ecclesiae, which means truth for the church and Christ. That was its original uh, motto, uh, slogan or motto. I think it's just been reduced to the word truth now. But uh, anyway, very interesting. Truth for the church and Christ. That was its foundational purpose. We have to ask ourselves, has that been changed? <laughs> well, yeah. these schools that had spiritual roots have drifted far from that. You know, we don't have to look very far to see um, ecclesiastical churches teaching now that the story of Adam and Eve was a myth and a likeness of a story that it never really happened, that we did evolve from apes. And uh, these are cornerstones of most of our religious societies. And the teachings uh, that Abraham and uh, other things were all just a myth or a parable to us that they really didn't happen. Let's read the next group of verses, 19 through 23, or 22, rather. In that day, there will be an altar to Yahweh in the middle of the land of Egypt, and a pillar to Yahweh at its border. It will be for a sign and for a witness to Yahweh of armies in the land of Egypt, for they will cry to Yahweh because of oppressors, and he will send them a savior and a defender. He will go down, and he will deliver them. Yahweh will be known to Egypt, and the Egyptians will know Yahweh in that day. Yes, they will worship with sacrifice and offering, and will vow a vow to Yahweh and will perform it. Yahweh will strike Egypt, striking and healing. There's a good uh, combination of words. They will return to Yahweh, and he will be entreated by them and will heal them. As the trials and tribulation come upon America, 
Americans will begin to turn their hearts to God and renew their commitments to God. Here we see that the people within America will set up two monuments. One monument is in the midst of the land and the other on the border of America. They will set these monuments up to show everyone that God comes first in all that they do. Because they are seeking the protection that the servant, Yahweh of armies, can provide them, God smites America to turn the people's hearts around and focus on him. As God has warned other civilizations, if you do not put God first in all that you do in this promised land, he will wipe the people off the face of this land. We see that in the Book of Mormon that the Jaredites were on the face of this land about 1,600 years, and the Nephites were on this land for about 640 years before each of these civilizations forgot God. Each of these civilizations were wiped off the face of the land. Today, there have been 247 years since we declared our independence from England, and the people of America have forgotten their promise to put God first in their lives. On to verse 23. In that day, there will be a highway out of Egypt to Assyria, and the Assyrians shall come into Egypt, and the Egyptian into Syria. And the Egyptians, they will worship with the Assyrians. In this verse, describes a landmass that rises up out of the ocean. It will connect America to China and Russia. Because of the foolish decisions of the leaders of America, many people will long to be a part of a seemingly steady government and financial system that the King of Assyria has organized. The BRICS countries today are more financially stable than America. The countries applying to join the BRICS system are overwhelming today. Verse 24, this is the last verse. In that day, Israel will be the third with Egypt and with Assyria, a blessing within earth, within the earth, because Yahweh of armies has blessed them, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. Here we see three groups of people, America, in whom the blood of Ephraim is strong, Israel, where the tribe of Judah is strong, Assyria, where the remaining ten tribes are, Yahweh of armies, the servants, sent to prepare a way for the Savior to return, acting as the right hand of God, blesses the people who have renewed their covenants with God. So, verse 23, you believe, is uh, still on the negative side, but verse 24, the Lord collects out of these countries those who are righteous? Is that how you're reading this? It's hard to describe the negative side because there's separation all along the way. I think the most important thing we can get from verse 23 is the highway out of Egypt to Assyria, which we have been told in other scriptures, a landmass rising up in which the ten tribes will be able to return um, is important. And uh, we obviously don't have much more information as to where this might arise. There's lots of speculation and everything, but um, it's definitely a sign unto us. Um, and the worshiping of the Assyrians, uh, or worship with the Assyrians, uh, you know, people are looking at the stability. They're looking at Putin right now and saying that transgenderism is a sin, that gay and being lesbian is a sin, and a lot of people like the things that he is saying in that way, as they are <clears throat> rooted in the founding principles 
of this land and God and everything. So, and they like the fact that his financial system is based on gold and material things versus the system we are turning to is based on air and the exchange of air, which makes no sense to us, you know, in, in a common sense way. So going, going back to this highway rising up, that's, I just want to touch on that a second, because I think uh, that is, I'm going to look it up here in the scriptures, but the reason that highway rises up is for the very purpose of allowing the righteous to gather, correct? Correct. So let's, let's take a look at that here. I'm just going to pull up my little database that I've created, and I'm going to type in the word highway. So DNC 133, 27, it says, and then highway shall be cast up in the midst of the great deep. It's totally connected to this verse. 2 Nephi 21, verse 16. And there shall be a highway for the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria, like as it was to Israel in the days when he came up out of the land of Egypt. Well, there you go. So... Yeah. <laughs> I never made this connection before, but uh, Moses parted the Red Sea, correct? Correct. Through the Lord's power. In the same way that the Lord made a highway through the Red Sea for the Israelites to travel out of Egypt, there's going to be a highway from the great deep rise up because of the Lord on which people, the remnant, can travel. So right. there you have it. So I love that. I love how we get a more complete picture when we compare DNC, Book of Mormon, Book of Isaiah, uh, and the commentaries. Very, very, very helpful. So there we have it on that. Uh, I mean, so many people have speculation of somewhere between Russia and Alaska because we know it's only 30 miles across the strait there to connect those lands the right Bering there. Strait, is that what they call it? Yeah, which would be really simple and everything for the Lord to do 30 miles. But also there's a theory and talk of the continent of Mu, which is where the, the great ring of fire is happening today and where we see the large earthquakes and the volcanoes trembling and happening around the ring of fire between Australia, Chile, and northward towards Alaska. And they're showing evidence of a once great continent there that may rise up, which could connect the two land masses there. So there's there's lots of speculation, and uh, we're going to leave it up to you to to pray about this and to connect the scriptures to go to God. You may not be able to share it with others when you find the answer, but you can find peace in your heart and knowing how this will affect you and connect for you. Well, I hate to say it, but uh, Isaiah 19 really fits our time or just slightly after where we're at right now. It's not far away. The pieces are in place, unfortunately. I guess it's fortunate too, but because we know that out of all this, we're going to get a cleansing, we're going to get Zion, we're going to get things moving. But it's really uh, remarkable to see all of the pieces fall into place. And Isaiah 19 is just one step away, unfortunately, again, uh, on the part of the tribulations and the cleansing it's just it's so close it's palpable so 
I love 19 and the fact that there are so many markers in here in which we can look to and, you know, kind of drive a stake down in our scriptures and say, today I am here and we can see it. I mean, we see the the Council of America falling apart. We see established institutions uh, coming up in corruption. We see the depreciation of our currency. Um, but yet we can also see monuments that are yet to be built and the promise of different people to serve God. And we can drive our stake down and say, we are here. And uh, to see this highway that will connect the continents is another marker point in which we can drive a stake and say, this is where we are in God's plan. So I, I just love this chapter for all the markers that it gives us to know where we're at. So the thought I'm reading this here is I'm thinking about a title for this. It's probably too negative, but this is a roadmap for destruction. I mean, on the one hand, right, uh, you stop listening, you the the there's civil war people the contention that is being uh, intentionally created by the way by people in power they're creating this tension it doesn't actually exist except you can walk around most places and there's not this tension that you are confronted with in the in the news but this tension and these div divisiveness is is being intentionally created um this is what Marxism is all about doing, upsetting the upsetting the order of things and the elements that have been well-studied, documented, and are being discussed by people. We're in it right now. And it goes from there to losing the spirit. Well, I don't know which comes first. I mean, sin and then the vulnerability. Then we don't listen to the voice of the Lord. Then it goes away. He just stops talking to us. That's in 3 Nephi 21 just cuts off the Gentiles' blessings. And then uh, the council is very bad. And so we start making decisions based on uninspired, uh, wrong, and intentionally deceitful information. And, and then the earth responds in kind with its own cleansing. And we have... I'm assuming it's not man-made, but we have uh, drought and all the problems that causes. And then we finally have, um, through this period, uh, we finally have some salvation coming and blessing coming through it all once this Babylonian system fails. So I guess the failure of the system is a good thing. Uh, well, I was I was listening. One last thing, I was listening to an interview uh, by Megan Kelly. She was interviewing Rosanna Barr, uh, who I didn't know was Jewish, who I didn't know grew up in Salt Lake City, and who has been through a lot. And her show got canceled because of a a tweet she gave that was misunderstood as she intended it and was not given an opportunity to explain herself in the mainstream media, but she's been through a lot. And she just said, everybody's waking up to what's going on in the country today. Everybody's starting to see what really is going on and, and, and not happy with it on, on whatever political spectrum you find yourself. And she just said, 
hang in there. It's going to get better. People are seeing this. And I, I really, it really resonated with me, Sean, when she said, hang in there. It's going to get better. Yeah. That's so true. And I, one thing I don't want to overlook is the, the people that are not native speaking Americans and the, their cities and some of them will renew their covenants and will make their charters to put God first in all that they do. And they're seeking the protection of God through rising up a monument, showing their commitment. And I think these can be wonderful markers for us um, that probably come toward the end of a civil war um, as they're seeking God's protection. Uh, just a wonderful righteous marker there. And then the other righteous marker of a land being cast up or a way being highway being cast up in which uh, the 10 tribes can return. Amazing marker there. Well, that makes me think of something that I feel is an inspired thought, which is it appears from Isaiah's writings that people are under the allegiance to Egypt, which we're saying is the United States of America, because it has been able to provide protection and frankly, economic stability. But once we are unable to provide economic protection, excuse me, economic stability and and, and protection with our, our armies, which I believe is starting to decline right now, like in a big way. Yeah. As we see this happen, people will no longer have that allegiance to America. And maybe that will permit them to wake up, open their eyes, and then make these monuments or markers to God. And that let that become the central focus of their societies rather than, you know, relying on a large superpower to protect them, uh, regardless of how they act and think. So I could see how the removal of that protection internationally and the collapse of the, the reliability of the dollar could lead to people to, you know, get off this. Uh, addiction or dependency on the United States of America. Right. Uh, Carol and I often visit and comment about the Amish. Now, there's several levels of Amish and several levels of Mennonites, depending on the commitment that they are to God and everything, but they don't vote. And not that that's a big thing, because we know we need to vote and everything, but they say that God or Christ is our president that he is our ruler, and they focus everything upon him versus focusing all their attention on the president of the United States and what is going on there. And I keep we keep discussing over and over again how if we were to focus everything on Christ versus what is going on in the world and what Christ would say, wouldn't we have more peace in our lives? Wouldn't we have more focus in our lives if we could shift this focus away from the wicked and the destruction that's going on and focus on Christ's kingdom and building the kingdom of God. That would be much better. Although I like a church's approach, which is we should seek righteous leaders, put yes. them in positions of power. I don't subscribe to the pacifism. Uh, but then again, I ask myself, how much am I seeking for a righteous leader, leadership in our country? Um, how are we, really trying to get righteous people in or are we simply trying to get someone in there who can bring us favors you know 
forget our debts, not, you know, basically not have to pay our way, get special favors. Is that what we're, what drives us when we vote? Are we looking for someone who's going to do the right thing? Just one more comment. You know, I've been listening to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. uh, Speak. There's a lot of things he says that I don't agree with. Um, But he at least is articulating a position about things that I can understand. And I can say, you know what? I don't agree with that. Or I agree with that. And it's so nice to have somebody talk plainly that I know at least what his position is. Instead of saying one thing and doing another. And we need more discourse that's open and honest. And I don't believe he is dogmatic about some of his positions. I think that if you could talk to him or reason with him, he could change his position on things based on the evidence. And I haven't seen that in a politician. And I was too young to really, uh, you know, I don't remember anything Robert F. Kennedy said, his father or John F. Kennedy. I was just a child. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, I don't know if this is how they, how, how they were able to convey, you know, to the public, but it's, it's refreshing and I don't see it enough, uh, among a lot of our politicians. That is wonderful. You know, as we go on in chapter 22 and discuss, uh, setting up a government's type of leadership and everything, it will connect back to where we're talking about now in seeking uh, God's hand of protection again. And as he does set up our uh, government here, this cornerstone or this fledgling government will be the one that rules and reigns throughout the millennium. It'll be the, the thing that helps us establish the pathway for Christ to return so we can long for this government leader through um, our Heavenly Father to allow Christ to rule and reign through the millennium. So, well, I just want to close with uh, Roseanne Barr's comment again. Hang in there; it it is going to get better. As Charles as Charles Nibley said, quoting from Joseph Smith and other contemporaries, the Constitution is going to go through a constitutional crisis. Yeah. It's it's going to be hanging by a thread. People think it's hanging by a thread now. No, no, it's it's. Uh, there are people that are still trying to interpret the Constitution and follow its mandates. It's hanging by a thread means we're ready to toss it out and yeah. and not give it any any credence at all. And that's just not the case, uh, in my opinion, today. Um, and we're seeing some remarkable results of Trump's appointments to the Supreme Court. Uh, three or four opinions have come out that have been really important in establishing certain rights and limitations on the encroachment of federal power. So there are still people in our country who are trying to follow the mandates of the Constitution. It's not quite there by a thread. Um, But anyway, it's going to get better, folks. That's the key. And there's always a path of escape for uh, when we rely on the Savior. Why? Because he'll he'll speak to us. We'll know what to do. You know, if we're supposed to die as a martyr, if we're supposed to die for the cause, 
then I think we've already been told about that before we came down. Peter, well, it's given in the book of Revelation that uh, all the glory and stuff will be given to him. It's given in the talked about in the first three chapters of the book of Revelations. If we die a martyr, you know, Peter, Peter, he was a marked man. Um, but the Lord's goal is not to have a nation of martyrs. His goal is to have joy and happiness and peace. And he wants us to escape. Everything in Isaiah is, hey, this can all be avoided if you'll repent, if you'll just right. listen, right? Built, Be yeah. built on the rock. Don't be deceived. Don't be distracted. And don't be, um, you know, persuaded to follow false gods. You know, hang tough. And in that path, there is there's great happiness. So uh, in closing today, you know, I'm so grateful for you listeners out there that listen to our podcast and uh, grateful that we can share the things that we've seen in our understanding of these scriptures and encourage you all to pray and to find how your puzzle piece that God sent you here with fits into this final big picture and how you can help in your own way in building up the kingdom of God. So thank you again for all your listeners out there. Thank you, Sean. This has been Vision of Zion.